That's improv, bitch. Improv, bitch. I mean, after all, you're nerds. Improv. 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 I'm Jimmy Corain, and this is Improv Nerd, the podcast where improvisers get to talk about themselves and their craft. Our guest today in episode two is Michael Gelman. He's taught and directed for The Second City for over three decades. He co-wrote the book Process, An Improviser's Journey with Mary Scruggs. And in terms of the history of improv, I don't think anyone knows more than he does on the subject. Now, you grew up in Minnesota. What was it like? What was growing up with your family in Minnesota like? <laughs> Cold. <laughs> uh, um, Minnesota was a fabulous place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Um, it was great schools, lovely, uh, very cold winters, a hearty Scandinavian stock on my Atlantic and Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, that was good. I when did Minnesota. you know you were Great funny. schools. When did you know you were funny? <laughs> I'm not. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I I don't. I didn't. That's a great. I don't know. Uh, so you don't I, think I know funny? I could make people laugh, but I don't think I'm funny. Okay. And I try desperately to be funny all the time, and it doesn't work. Yeah, I know. And, I've experienced it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez, we've worked together. Yeah. It's from time yeah, to yeah. time. Yeah, there is a sense of you, like on stage, as an actor. You're relaxed and you can be really funny. And then there's a sense of you that also that tries too hard, like off stage. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yes. Okay. Okay. You do this uh, with everyone, Emily. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Okay. Now you're still very close to your parents, right? Yeah. And uh, talked to my mom this morning. Okay. What, what was your, what's your what was your relationship like your mom with your mom growing up? Um, uh, my mother uh, was goddess, my dad was the devil. Okay. And she made sure we knew it. Okay. And how did she make sure you knew it? Um, your father um, has been working very hard. He doesn't mean to talk to you like that. <laughs> It'll be okay. Just let him get some sleep. He's been working all night. Mm-hmm. And then your father? What was your relationship with your Some father? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Another Scandinavian. I yeah. Think. And what was your relationship with like your father? He's the he was the devil. What, what do you? He wasn't. Um, actually, I like him a lot now. But at the time, um, <laughs> at the time, he was uh, he, he was you know it was it was kind of funny because my mother would always say, "Wait till your father gets home. Wait till your father gets home." Right? And then my dad got home and she'd spank us because he didn't want to. He was actually he couldn't do it. And I didn't realize that at the time. I lived in terror of him. But it, but it was my mother who always like went wow. And you, you, you occasionally will go on trips with him and stuff like that, a fishing trip? No. No? Never. You've never gone on a fishing trip? I never went on a fishing trip. I never went out with I never did anything. The most we did was we'd go down to Bridgman's Ice Cream, a couple blocks down, and get hand-packed ice cream. Um, uh, and so, yeah, my dad, my dad and I, he didn't know how to handle children, which is probably why I'm in this business. Which you, you know, which I mean, you, most men are in this business because their dads were really right. weird. Which is in because I talked to a former student of yours. Oh no! Yes. You've done your research. I've done my research. <laughs> Apparently, I've done my research, but not on on your, your relationship with your father. And he 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 uh, he studied with you years ago, and he said uh, you had them all go around and say why they were fucked up. Because you believe uh, that everyone who is in this is fucked up. Okay, which not I, everyone. Okay, uh, the really good one. The really good one. <laughs> uh, if that's true, how are you fucked up? My dad. Okay, and how did your dad? How'd your dad fuck you up? Well, he didn't. Con- he didn't connect. He was unable to connect with the children. He was great with us till we were out of a Johnny Jump Up. Uh-huh. You know, that was a thing where kids go, yay, and mm-hmm. we jump up and down. Uh, but it, he was great with infants. And he, he was, he's good with me now that since I turned 55. <laughs> but, but in between, he had a real hard time. You just had to wait. You just had to just I, I, and I didn't know. Yeah. You know? And so I think he's scared to death that my mom might die first. Uh-huh. And that he will be alone. Mm-hmm. And there he'll be. And the kids don't want to talk to him anymore. <laughs> so now at 80... He, at 30, 
he he said we were, he picked me up from the airport and I went home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Minnesota is a fabulous place to go. Home. Right, you go every year back. I now. used to. I don't now that oh. I'm married. Okay. And now that You've I'm married, really I'm grown married. up since we thank went to Yes, I know. I go, thank yeah. you. I go to my wife's family right. and, okay. and my stepkids. And my stepdaughter just got married. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, he's driving me home and he goes, "You like what you do." Yeah, I can't imagine myself doing anything else in life. And I was still working at Second City, and he was coming in from Toronto. Mm -hmm. I was the, the artistic director up there for uh, several years. He went, oh, well, I guess there's something to be said for that. <laughs> and that was it. And that's all that was ever said. And, um, uh, and I think after that he started to change. He realized that maybe in his life, and I, I think we all, a lot of people, go, a lot of people I teach go through this. Uh, there's that sense of what is it that that we as uh, we have things we want to do in life but we don't mm -hmm. we cop out we don't finish law school we don't do what we're right. we don't do this we don't do that because we've got obligations or we don't think we can or we're afraid we won't make it or someone said something negative and so we don't pursue our dream and right. I'm, I'm blessed man I'm I am so lucky I knew what I wanted to do when I was 16 which was be in theater. Okay. And at 16, I got a job uh, as a stage manager. I was in a professional theater company from the age of 16 forward, uh -huh. and I've never had a straight job. I've always worked theater. And I, that's what I said to myself. I will never do anything but work in theater. And I've had to put up drywall and build stages from time to time and paint and hang lights and stage manage and act and direct and write and do whatever I had to do, but I've always made a living being in this business and it's just you know because that's you follow it and I did you know because we've worked together in numerous things as, 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 and seeing you act you're a really great I don't think people know you're a great great actor well they're about to find out right? <laughs> so why he's really good wait watch this <laughs> shit well, you're like my dad I <laughs> thank you thank you um, why why haven't you done more acting um you know i i think i was afraid of it um i was out in la um i couldn't get arrested uh it was that at the time it was like the beverly hillbillies and really weird crap on tv and i just at one point i just walked into an audition and i went i can't do this anymore because it wasn't about acting, it was about auditioning, it was about selling yourself. And I was terrible at it. Um, I started as a stage manager, I loved light design. And so uh, I called Bernie Solins at Second City and said, can you get me the hell out of LA? And he said, I'll do anything. And he said, do you want to direct in Canada? <laughs> I went, yes, that's how Bernie talks. <laughs> um, and it was like, yeah. And so he sent me up to Canada, and I was directing for 25 years. I just gave up my SAG, my equity card, you know, my aftercard, all that, because I wasn't using it. And, and now, in, 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 in your stage, would you like to go back to Oh, I love it. I did a film this year. I okay. did a film this summer. Um, it was great. Yeah, and I enjoyed, I, I forgot how much fun it was to be on set. And I had a great time, and it's a good little movie. It'll be coming out, uh, I think, next summer. And uh, it, was, it was fun, and uh, yeah. Now, every uh, improv teacher has known for a different style. What is your style? I don't know. I didn't know I had one, or I didn't know people had different styles. Um, I mean, it, we had Susan Messing uh, la uh, last week. She definitely has a style. I mean, there's no boundaries. Yeah, she's like the Uta Hagen. Okay. She's our Uta Hagen. Okay, if she's Uta Hagen, awesome. if she's Uta Hagen, Who's Michael Dell? Um, oh, I don't know. You know, I grew up with Del Close and, uh, and the legendary and, Del Close. Yeah, and those guys, and they were pretty brutal. So I thought that's the way to work. And, and I don't know. Every year I change. <laughs> now, when you say they're pretty brutal, explain to people that don't know Del how brutal it could be. Because I studied with him, it could be brutal. Yeah, he was um, he was pretty rough. You know, uh, uh, Paul Sills. Um, I'm the artistic director of the Second City. Uh, I walk in, Paul says, well, I'm doing a workshop, and I had invited him, and he was going to do a workshop with my cast. And uh -huh. they had never met him, but they had heard about him. Mm -hmm. He started Second City, he's kind of legendary, he's Paul Sill, uh, uh, Viola Spolin's son. Mm -hmm. um, and he started Second City as the director. And so 
he was pretty rough, and he came in, and he was known for throwing chairs at actors, right. you know, and things like that. I mean, he was nasty about son of a bitch. And uh, so uh, he came in, and he goaded me into it. I said, well, you know, Paul, this is my cast, and I don't think I should be working with him. He says, come on, you son of a bitch, you scared bastard, come on. I went, all right, all right, he's right, I'm scared. So I went in, and he had me go up on stage with uh, Catherine O'Hara, mm -hmm. actually, and say, um, uh, do, do a scene. So I started to do a scene, and he, he said, uh, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this chair coming from my back. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you were having a conversation. You know better than that. Get the fuck out of my theater. I said, what? He said, get the fuck out of here. And he threw me out <laughs> of the theater. Threw me out in front of my cast. It, you know, it did not do well with me. And so, and, and I'm saying, what the fuck? Well, half of me was like really pissed off that he had pulled this shit. The other half was like really like pissed because he was right. But it, you know, and the other half was like, oh my God, Paul threw a chair at me. I'm fucking in. I am so in. I was like tickled to death. Which is funny, when I did research and on your resume, it's done as a special skill. You list that also from a chair at um, You're... There's no question in my mind you're an improv icon, all right? And as a, you are. I don't even want to take that, Jimmy. I, you know, I gotta say this. Messing is the same way. There's this. I really. Yeah. To me, to me, it's about doing the work. Look, you get up and you go and you do the work. And, and to me, the minute I saw improvisation at Dudley Riggs, like when I was like 20, all the way I back went, in Minnesota. Yeah, it was like. I, where did you learn how to do this? I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. This is great. And, and because all of a sudden, as an actor, you could start developing material and, and exploring your own point of view and presenting it to the public. And you didn't have to go through a playwright. And the playwrights were all like, we, I couldn't do Clifford Odets again. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it was like, I just couldn't. And, and so here was this fabulous new thing. And I was so excited about doing it. I said, Where'd you learn this? Chicago. I'm going there. And I went, I left the University of Minnesota, and I came to Chicago, and I bugged the shit out of Dell and Bernie and Joy, the people that ran Second City at the time, and they finally let me in after six months of bugging the hell out of them. And three months. And, and, uh, and it was a great experience, I learned a lot. But to me, it's just about doing the work. So I don't know about a position in a community as it's perceived from the outside. I do know from inside out, it's like, oh, today I want to try this. And then the next day it's like, oh, I got to try this. And it's like, oh, if you put this and this together, this will work. That's great. And it doesn't matter whether you're directing or teaching, it's always problem solving. Why are people in improv so humble? If I was on the other side of this interview and someone said you're an icon, I would hug them and kiss them. You are an icon. Did you see that poster with the glasses? That's iconic. I don't have a poster with glasses. Okay. Now, as a teacher, as a teacher, uh, you can be polarizing, all right? Some, some people love your methods, yeah. they, they think you're a genius, and other people have problems with them. What do you think that is about? Um, uh, I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm in New York teaching, and I have this whole class come up to me and go, oh my God, I love you, you kicked my ass. Mm -hmm. That's what I pay for. And then I go out to California the same month, this is, seven, this is like 10 years ago, and I do this workshop, and, and there's a woman in there who's kind of a famous TV person. And you're gonna give us no, name? And, and because it's nobody's business. But anyway, so so the one I know. The point is that she had she came to the workshop just to to and she, and and I gave her a couple notes, um, and she took real offense to it, real angry. I mean, like calling. I was staying with Gary Austin and calling his house at night saying. Fuck you! I'm never coming to a workshop. Gary Austin who started the ground. Yeah, okay. And and he sponsored me to come to LA. And 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 she said, "Look, I come to a workshop. I can get beat up at work." And she was, you know, she's on the set every day. She said, "I can get I can get the shit kicked out of me in, in my work. I go to a workshop to be nurtured." Hmm. So here you have on the on the East Coast, you've got actors who are going. I came to this workshop to get my ass kicked and to challenge myself and to be stretched. And I, uh, and I in LA, exactly, the I came to this workshop to be nurtured, to be uh, uplifted, to be, and, and so, and the Midwest is kind of in the middle. So what did you say to Jennifer Aniston? 
Brad. It was a while ago. Okay, you have been doing this for almost four decades, all right? How has comedy, how have you seen comedy and the students change? Um, I don't know. I don't think comedy ever changes. I think it's been the same for 3,000 years. You know, comedy uh, is born of all the elements that we think of as comedy. Uh, it, it mostly has to do, uh, I, I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea what comedy is. Um, I, I mean, if I ever figure That's it fair. out. That's we're going to be improvising. In yeah, well, <laughs> well, improvisation and comedy are not synonymous. Okay. Improvisation Explain is, it. well, improvisation is jazz. Mm -hmm. it, I, 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 actually, I thought of this with some of the guys that were in this room. I used it the last week. Um, improvisation uh, is to theater as jazz is to music. It's a form of theater, and it's a form of, of theater sans script. Um, but we still have imprinted in our brains stories. Joseph Campbell talked about that, that we have thousands of years of storytelling. So that when two improvisers or more get on stage and there's an audience watching them, we are all connected in, in what he said was a Jungian way of connecting the dots of story. So if we're creating something, we're going to be creating story. You sit down and tell a five-year-old a story, you're going to be a freaking genius. You are going to be great. If I were to record you talking to a five-year-old making up a story, you would be great. You get on stage in front of adults and you're, you're, you're trying to make up a story, dramatizing it, you suck. Well, how did not you? But anyway, you know. But, I can, Michael. Uh, I understand. Yeah. But but so how? Why is it that we can tell a five-year-old a story and and we can't do it because there's all this pressure? It's so hard. I'm jumping around. There's so it's so hard. This this work is really easy. This is the easiest thing in the world. It's why I do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to memorize shit, and I get paid. And yeah, yes, okay, I'm totally in. I'm a, it's a procrastinator's paradise, and I'm here. <laughs> but and it's also good for ADD, which is uh, nice, too. But uh, it, it's like uh, we are storytellers at heart. And so I don't know. I think it's funny because when it... I, for a lot of reasons. Sartre said because it's it, uh, <coughs> when it's painful. Um, other people have said when it's surprising. Other people, and who knows, it's all of that. But, the, but mostly I think it's because we can sit and relate. That, oh my God, I've done that too. That's one thing that, that is different now, uh, to answer the second part <laughs> of your question. And that is, um, when, when I came up, the, the idea that if I was on this stage and, and I'm making up comedy for Second City, it is my job to, sh to admit that I crap, I crap my pants. Okay. Say for instance, yes. I, I did hear them. Okay. Um, and is that love, Lauren? Is that love? I think that's love. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I admit that, I, that we, all of us, have lied. That we cheat, that we do stupid stuff, that we're, we, we all of us share in that. And, and my job on stage is not to be hipper than thou. My job is to admit my faults. You see it, you share it with me. You go, oh my God, I'm not alone. Great, I don't have to go postal at work tomorrow. Yay, we won. Uh, thank you for coming out. Um, now I think there's more, tends to be more of, well, we in this room know that those people are assholes, but not us. So I think there's a sense of pointing fingers at people and making fun, and I think it's a little bit mean-spirited, and uh, uh, it has less humility, and it has less of a sense of, oh my God, we're, we're, all of us are, all of us do stupid stuff. So I think comedy might have changed a little bit in that sense. Is that, does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And speaking of comedy, what do you want to do in terms of improvisation? We're going to do some improv. I don't know. You know, um, uh, based on what you just, just said. To, well, to plug my book. Okay. Um, <laughs> an improviser's journey. Right. Yeah. It's uh, and it, 
Northwestern Press. Northwestern <laughs> University Press, so it was adjudicated. Just saying. Uh, and uh, uh, we did, uh, you know, I mean, I've been exploring long form, uh, and originally that meant sustaining a character for an extended period of time. So maybe some uh, characters that uh, can live and breathe. And, okay. you, know, you and I both like doing slower. Right. Now, you said to me the last time we performed at Burning Desires after the show, you said, I do slow and steady. And you, you, what did you mean by that? I, I said that of you? You said, no, of yourself. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't. Uh, um, it, it's, I see a light going. Um, uh, it means sustaining a character, I guess, right now these days with you. Okay. That, you know what I was doing? I was comparing what we did at one point where we just kind of took it slow and steady. Okay. And then before it gets, it gets a little more frenetic. Okay. So let, I would really like to concentrate on doing it slow and steady. Okay. And because when I work with you, there, there's almost like such patience. Like you and Pasquese, there's working with you guys, there's patience. And it's in you. I mean, it's, it's, you're approaching it as an actor. So I would love to, let's, do we want to take a location? Well, how do we want to start? Um, yeah. A relationship? Do you want to do both? Yeah, sure. That blocks us in, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Do we want to be blocked in? I I'm nervous know. about being blocked in. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, I, I would like to take something. Um, what do you guys want? Yeah, what do you guys want? Hello? Great. <laughs> All right. Wow. Um, uh, slow, you want, to do, you want to see us do some slow? Yeah. Yeah. His workshops are slow comedy. Yes, um, um, that's what he calls them. Yes. So what 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 do you how, what do you want to give us for a suggestion? Location. A location. Okay. Okay. Uh, something non-commercial. Anything that's not like a, a place where you buy and sell stuff. Uh, Last place I went. What? Cabin in the woods. A cabin in the woods. Okay. Now I just want to say because we talk about this process. And so I hear cabin in the woods, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to pull two chairs out. We're going to be a cabin in the woods. All right. Do we go to the environment first, or do we go to the relationship first? Yes. <laughs> so go to the relationship first. Both. Go, go to both. Um, okay, so here, here's something to try. Okay. Um, have a point of concentration in the environment, then see the environment, then see the other person and start building. Okay. What is a point of concentration? Um, what you're doing. Okay. What are you doing now? Uh, yeah, you moved. What were you doing? You're uh, looking at me. I was looking at you. Yeah. Guys. So it's heightened that. Okay. Because I want to go in and start a fire in the fireplace. Yeah, but see, you just you didn't hide me. You just looked at. You stopped looking at me. You went to the fireplace. You're like me with the ADD. I'm, I'm totally confused. Good. A okay. point of concentration is whatever it is. You're, it's something that you can focus on. Okay. Close your eyes for a second. Okay. Hear a radio in the other room. I hear a radio, yes. There's somebody that's going to change the station on three. One, two, three. Okay. Now you're going to react to it. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hear it? Yes. One, two. It changes. That's your point of concentration. Michael, I'll be honest with you, I don't know anything what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm cold, so what? the most anti-Semitic person I know. <laughs> That's true. I think you're like, oh, let's go out and have, let's go get a cabin so you can see how Jewish I am. <laughs> no, look, man, I, I come up here because my grandfather brought me up here. I'm used to it. You put me in the woods, in the tent or some damn thing or somebody else's place where I'm not familiar and, and I'm fucked. But here, I'm good because it's, I grew up with this, you know? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm thinking? I'm like, how are we going to get through a whole weekend, you know? You're like, there's, there's nothing planned. <laughs> I mean, that television doesn't get cable. It's just like, it gets one station and it's all snowy. Oh, I would, yeah. I, I would not have washed my face. That water is all rusty and yellow. Uh, it's fine. The, the rust is like iron. Tear in the chest. Look. Okay. I've never seen you squat down. <laughs> I've known you for, for 20 years, and I've never seen you squat down. I've never seen you so cold and I'm pale. I'm freezing. I know, I can see and that. And you're enjoying it. Yes, I am a little bit. Uh, hey, listen, man. I don't think I have squatted down. <laughs> Look, it's like this. You know, wherever you are, and it, it say new like this, you can either choose to enjoy it, or you can choose to be miserable. And I just can't do misery anymore. I did misery most of my life, except when I came here. And now I'm learning that what I learned here can be used out there. And you don't have to have misery anymore. Because everything, everything, is an adventure. You are so crazy. Oh, yeah. you're crazy. Oh, man. Give me an example. Oh, huh? Give me an example of one thing that we can use in here. How cold are you right now? I'm fucking freezing. How often are you that freezing? Not. You're on an adventure. I could have done cold at my apartment. All I had to do was turn the heat down and open the window. Oh, come on, it's November, it's not like it's January. And just do, do that. And just go. You see that? Yeah, that's fine. You can buy this at a gas station. <laughs> okay, tell you what, I'll put out the fire. And we'll get in the car, we'll pack everything up, and we'll go to a gas station and get one of those handy things. And we'll go and take you home. You want to go home? No. Okay. <laughs> Come on back in when you're ready. I can't go home, Mark. What? I said I can't go home. Yeah. You fucked it up again? Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, you knew it was coming. She's like the nicest woman you've ever had. That's the problem. Oh, for <laughs> If they're a bitch, I, 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 if they're a bitch, I have no problem with them. But if they're nice to me, I want to run. Okay, I totally understand that. Like a savior. Yeah. If they're in trouble, I want to save them exactly. Exactly, and then if they're if they're not in trouble, I I I they're I want to run away. Yeah, because you don't know what to do. Exactly. It's like being cold in a cabin, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. That's my point, right? There, right there. Damn it. That is the lamest, that is the lamest analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> you are really stretching. It's I need your help here. I don't need some, I, this is my grandfather's cabin. I love her. Okay? Oh, do you really love yes, her? What love. the hell is that? Why do I, why do I, why what is love? Huh? You know what love is? It's being in a cabin with your best friend from high school. Uh, and, um, oh, and being warm by his 
intelligent in his wisdom. That's a really nice thing to say. I didn't mean any of it. I was fucking oh. <laughs> So you hate me? You didn't mean any of it? I didn't. No. None of it? No. Not no, a no. fucking Not one thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is exactly what happens in my relationship with Carol. It goes really well. Now that's a bad analogy, right? <laughs> or is that a metaphor? That's an analogy. What, what, oh, come on. Matter. What are you talking it's, about? Since high school. It's always. What's, what are you talking about? I am talking. How is it the same? Okay, you know what? I'm getting in the way of your problem. You, you're up here. You need to just chillax. Is that right, man? I mean, you need to just like get away, put your head on, and you don't meet, need me helping. That's what I'm getting. Chillax. What is going on with you? Ever since you got that job at Urban, what is it, Urban Outfitters, you become like... <laughs> You're wearing this this tie-dye thing. You're you're just you're not the same guy. It's a way of life, man. Oh, <laughs> okay, look. I've, I've always looked. What can I do to help you? Do you mean it? Yes. What can I do to help you through this yet another turbulent time? Okay. What happened? It's just a sliver. It's a sliver. I was carrying the wood. I got a sliver. You, this is just, this is like you. This is so like you. I'm going to help you. Oh, wait a second. Something happened with me. Oh, don't put yeah. anything in. Something happened. I, I really want to help you, but I got a sliver right now. Don't re. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you know it's true. You know it's true. No, I'm right. You know it's true. Damn it. <laughs> it hurts. Uh, I gotta get some, uh, what is it? So the only thing that's in there is, is a bottle of vodka. I can't do that anymore. Well, you could p just put it on there. You don't, you don't have to drink it. <laughs> My dad, we stole the liquor from my dad's uh, yeah. liquor cabinet when we were in high school. <laughs> oh man, I should have stopped there. Uh, that was awful. Yeah. So what kind those, of those were a lot of long years. 16 to 49, when you put that away. Yeah. That's yeah. I was. I know. I don't know. We didn't talk for a long time. Well, I was too fucking self-centered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How was your, um, splinter? It's fine. So what can I do to help? Do you mean it? Yeah, I mean it. I want to... I want to... Proposed to her. Great. I need fifteen. <laughs> I need fifteen hundred dollars for a ring. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of just friendship here, <laughs> not, not being your personal banker. Fifteen hundred dollars, Jim. You make you make over a hundred grand a year. Yeah, but it goes. <laughs> you 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 you've got four hundred one k's. You got all that stuff. I'm just asking for fifteen. I can't touch my four hundred one k's till I'm fifty nine and a half. <laughs> Fine. So say I've got it. Yeah. Say it. No. Say I've got it. You gonna pay me back? <laughs> Why does that matter? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I was thinking all the stuff that I've done and been through. Oh, so um, so I'm supposed to give you $1,500 based on the fact that you've been through some shit in your life. Yes. And oftentimes shit that you've created. Yeah. So you've created a shit storm after shit storm in your life, like like an inland hurricane, and I'm supposed to just give you money because you've suffered so. Yes. Are you fucking serious? Come on. I'm man. serious. <sighs> Go into this new therapy group, and they say ask your friends for money. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, we, uh, we, I'd like to, if you've got some questions about the scene we just did, or to Michael, or to both of us, uh, this is your opportunity. So, uh, Emily, if you could turn the house lights on so I could see people, great. Uh, oh my God, there's people. people here, yeah. Um, who would like to start with the questioning? We always have such a hard time getting questions. Davide, did you have a question? Where do you think the art form of improv is being pushed, where are the boundaries being pushed, and who by at the moment, in your opinion? Um, well, there's a lot of, there's a big thing on an imp, one of the improv networks, and actually the guy that initiated it was from France, I know him, but um, um, where do I think it's going? There's two things. One, I don't think it's an art form, I think it's a craft. And I think that if we do, those of us who do it, do our craft really, really well, someone from outside might someday call it an art. That's their problem, not mine. I know it's a craft. And if I do my craft well, then hopefully I'm communicating. Where is it going? Um, we're, in, we're in improvisation 4.0, or point four zero or whatever. Um, and I think where it's going is where Chris Guest is taking it, where Michael Lee, out of England, with Secrets and Lies, I think, um, uh, to, a, to an extent, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think it's going back to where it started from. Scenario plays, Commedia dell'arte. Um, certainly, uh, Studs Terkel had a brilliant half-hour show he did in 1959, right here in Chicago, live broadcast. Guy did a half-hour sitcom, national broadcast, every night from WGN Studios here in Chicago with just a scenario. Brilliant! And four actors. What the balls of it? Just going and improvising for a half an hour on national TV. I just love it. So that's where I think it's going. I think it's going to scenarios, and I think more and more and more, uh, the product that we see, whether and I think mostly going on to devices like you're holding, um, will be created by improvisational actors through scenario, if that makes any sense. And for those of you who know comedians, that sort of thing. Let's I don't know, maybe that's too technical, but no, that's no, it. Totally. Well, we've only got a few minutes, so I'm sure. Let's it talk short, about right? the scene for just a second. Uh, I felt, for me, in the scene, like I was trying to create conflict with you in the character. Um, that's, that, that's, uh, is that a good move? What, what, what do you, what do you, what's your feeling? On it depends that? what you're creating, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you're creating a one-act play, it'll it evolve itself. Right. Um, if you're not, and that's what Dell used to say about ramping it. He never really got that part of it. You right. know, the idea of ramping up to the scene and taking uh -huh. three minutes because it's a series of discoveries. Um, uh, so I don't think you ever need to push. I don't okay. think you ever need to make a choice on stage. I think if we're really improvising well. We never ever make a choice. It pulls us. The thing we create pulls us. Just like if you're playing three-point basketball, you're painting a painting, <clears throat> you're doing a sculpture and time and space ceases to exist. You wrote 15 pages and you think it's only been 10 minutes and it's been three hours and you're still <laughs> typing and you're just in the zone. I think the thing you create pulls you. And when you do that, then the audience is watching the thing you're creating. Otherwise, they're watching you push the shit out of it, and they're watching the actor trying to create improv rather than improvisational actors working. I, I said it. That's it. Do you think this is a? Do you think we were pushing on it? I think we were pretty good, but yeah. not pushing too hard. Okay. To the I don't know. What do you guys think? No. Sorry, I'm so so yeah. I, I had a question about the sliver when you you know put your thumb back. Were you purposely doing that? to be self-centered and take the focus away from, or was that just... No. No, I wasn't. But I thought he called me on it. It was great, and it probably was psychologically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that weird? 
Yeah, but I got it when I picked up that wood over there. I picked up the wood wrong and I said, oh shit. Well, that... I mean for the second time. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't even thinking about it. Just started, I just noticed it and started hurting. I thought of it and then he pointed out that I was too <laughs> focused. I went, oh, okay. So you know, no, I would, there was no intention. You know, it's interesting, uh, teaching uh, as long as I have and you have, it seems like environment and object work is kind of gone by the wayside. Do you think that's true? Yeah. And why do you think that is? I just had a conversation with Matt Hubdee like an hour ago about that. Okay. An hour and a half ago. Okay. Um, you really want the, the answer that I yeah. think? Okay. Yeah. I think that at one time everybody was connected to Viola Spolin. It was the foundation for the work. And whether you were off doing one act plays or you were doing improvisation or uh, heralds or uh, impro uh, or whatever the heck you were doing in improvisation, uh -huh. that we all had this foundation that came out of Chicago of Viola Spolin's work. And I think now people went away from Viola, particularly Dell, and said, look, there's a new way of improvising, this is it, it's interesting, it's fascinating, we love it, it's taking us to places we've never been, yay, let's go there. And he taught a whole bunch of people. And these people are now teaching people. But they never had Viola either, they just had Dell. So I think there's this uh, band that's created where there's no Viola Spolin or no basic improvisation as it was done here in Chicago or Commedia dell'arte for years and years and years that isn't there. So I think that there's a piece of the puzzle that some people are not getting because it's not being taught. Maybe it's not necessary to teach it. I don't know. But in my mind, because I'm old school, I kind of think, you know, that's a really important thing. And a lot of that stuff really helps you do it better. So I think it's important to, te to teach. I think it's important to keep alive. And I think a lot of students coming up now don't know who Viola Spolin is or her work. And I'm not sure. <clears throat> That's good. I think we still know who Stanislavski is, for those of you who act. <clears throat> I think it's important to know who, where our roots are. Stanislavski, Viola Spolin, those people are the base, they're the foundation. And when, the more we know about the foundation, the more we can branch off, I think. Now, with, I don't know. with all these different schools of improvisation, we have the Onoyans, we have the I.O., we have UCB, we have Second City. Is there a place where they all meet, where there's a common ground for all of them? Yeah. And what is that common ground? TJ and Dave. <laughs> Third, uh, yeah, Wednesday. you know, I mean, TJ and Dave, uh, Blaine Swen, Susan Messing, the people you're having here. I mean, where it meets is in the people. Not in a, it's not a location or a geography. It's in the, it's in the actors who are, cr are creating improvisationally. And I think the people that you've asked to join you here, mm -hmm. I think it's embodied in them, mm -hmm. not in a geography, not in a school. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's on the stages. It's on the stages of Chicago. It's on the stages. It's in the films. It's the people who have been through Chicago, the, the actors the, that have been through Steppenwolf and who have been through Remains and some of you know in Victory Gardens the, that have come out of the, born of the Chicago uh, kitchen sink drama, you know, that, that in your face school of theater comes out of here. And um, I, think it's, I think it's embodied in those people. Um. Any, do we have any more questions for either? Yes. When you were talking about a piece of art and being in the zone, I'm gonna throw out there that you can't 100% be in the zone. What do you do when you're seeing this thing? Um, okay, uh, the, it depends what kind of scene it is and what the venue is and what you're trying to accomplish. But I think going back to the environment, going to your partner. I think you can always find the scene in the eyes of your partner, somewhere. Um, uh, and so I think you need to go back to the, I think whenever you feel like you're singing, Dell used to say, if you don't know what to do on stage, fall down and figure out what to do on the way. At least you're doing something. <laughs> do something. And, and, and what I've been exploring more and more and more the last couple of years is go back to the relationship. So if you're on stage and your scene is sinking, go back to the relationship. Do something, be in, be in reaction, make a discovery, go back to the relationship. Those three things, I think, save your butt every time. That's those three things. One of them will work for you, yeah. When in that scene, do you start to get a clue or were you grounded in your character? 
When did the character, when was it revealed to you? Was there a certain part in the scene that you go, I know who this is? Um, Different point of view. Yeah, uh, uh, when I brought the wood over. So right at the beginning. Yeah, that's, yeah, in this scene. What about you, Jim? When, when he said to me uh, the thing about being Jewish, I, no, it was before that, Jerry. When he said that, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be comfortable with this. I'm, you know, he's, I'm a fish out of water. That's, 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 that's how I, I, I took it off, Michael. Yeah, and because he was so cold and I was, and I went, okay, this is my place. This is my grandpa's place. Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I knew. I knew, I, yeah, and it was easy for me because it was me. You know, it was it was my cabin, me, and it's someone I someone I know, sort of. Um, Michael, that's right. As someone who's directed and, and teaches a lot, how is it when you go into an improv scene? Is it hard? This is very serious. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like school. But. Yes. How is it dropping the? I'll lighten it up. How is it dropping the? I'm a teacher. I'm a director. Now I'm an actor slash performer. Compartmentalize. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's just like, okay, I'm doing this now. The lights just went out. I didn't have to go home. For me, it's like, it's the same as doing like two classes during the day, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to go one class to the next class. Those of you who teach know if you're going from one group to another group, it's, you just like, boom, this is this, and this is this, and this is this. And it's easy today because I only have to teach. Mm -hmm. uh, before I had to teach, direct, and act all, all in one day. Made now, it more difficult. Now as a director, this is 15 years ago, the word on the street was, Gellman's a great director. But when it comes to his note session after a show, it could go to two in the morning. Was that a fair assessment of you? Back yeah, then? I was laborious. Okay. Still am. Really? My, my greatest fault as a teacher and as a director is I don't know when the hell to shut up. F up. <laughs> how do you think? How do you think that is that has gotten in your way in terms of uh, directing and teaching and stuff like that? Has it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, to be quite honest about it, I think it's probably um, hurt me um, more than I can say mm -hmm. in, in in relationships, in uh, in past, in, in dealings with students and with actors. Um, I think that uh, the, the art of brevity is an important uh, art that I have not mastered. And I'm going to keep working in this until I get it. How has Michael Gellman changed over the last four decades? Well, I'm able to admit that I talked to him. <laughs> That's the first step. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well. Uh, oh, I, I mean, you change every day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the point of being, I mean, one of the points of being someone who practices a craft is that you keep growing. I mean, one of the great things about theater, the arts, is that we get a chance, those of us who are in it, get a chance to grow every single day. It's, a, it's, it's constantly evolving. We're, we're discovering new things. I mean, it, it's the greatest job on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's just extraordinarily cool. Um, and, and so I would hope that I change on a daily basis. I hope. Um, you worked with Chris Farley in the training center. And I remember you said something to him years and years ago about he's not going to make it or something. Do you remember this? Yeah. Something like, did you, what did you say to him? Chris comes in, and I had been out with him all night. Um, so I knew from where he was coming from because we were partying. And, oh. Well, we had the same dealer. Okay. And the same. <laughs> um, and uh, Chris comes in and late, and he's in a level three class, and he does a scene. I'm not sure I should even say this because I do I really do love him, but um, he comes in and he was off. He was way off, and he was in the front singing a song, and everybody else was back behind him. And um, uh, <laughs> he's, um, uh, no, this is terrible. He, he was off. He threw everybody off. And he looked behind him. He was so good at doing it. He looked behind him, and the audience thought the whole entire chorus had screwed up, and Chris just saved him. 
when in fact it had been the opposite. And after the show, I said, you look like a million bucks out there, Chris. He went, thank you. And you fucked everybody in your cast over. You continue to do that, you will never work here. Two days later, Dell hires him for the resident company. <laughs> Three years later, I'm at an after party at SNL, and Chris is in some half-round booth in some dingy after-hours nightclub with two probably about $1,500 night hookers. Mm -hmm. Like this going, so, I'll never make it, huh, Galvin? Fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> it's like, hi, Chris, good to see you. <laughs> is there anybody else? Uh, so, and, no, the bottom line for that is yeah. I have never, ever, ever since said to anybody, you will make it, you won't, because I don't know shit. <laughs> I know nothing. I think that's a great way to end this Me interview. Too. Michael Gelman, thank you. Well, that's it, and I gotta tell you, I am totally nerded out, and I hope you're nerded out, too. And I really appreciated Gelman's story about Chris Farley, because coming up with Chris Farley at, at the Improv Olympic, now I.O., everybody had a Farley story, and I think nobody could beat Gelman's uh, Farley story. If you want to know more about Michael Gelman, I suggest picking up the book Process, an improviser's journey that he co-wrote with Mary Scruggs. And if you want to know more about Improv Nerd, we're on Facebook, uh, the Facebook page. Or uh, you can go to jimmycarain.com. I want to thank my producer slash director, Ben Caprero. Uh, and uh, join us next week for episode three. I can't believe it is going by so fast. And that will be IO's Jet Eveleth. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would, it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you fuck.